Hear now these words from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were. Divided tongues as of of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, and Egypt and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own language. We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. Let's pray. God, for the gift of your spirit, we give you thanks. May it blow through us today, opening our minds, our ears, and our hearts to hear the message that you have for us. Amen. I loved the intellectual stimulation of seminary. There was something so appealing about my mind being stretched. My professors, the books, the assignments, the conversations I had with other students enriched me in ways I could have never imagined. The growth I experienced while a seminary student was explosive. It seemed to happen so fast, and once it started, there was no turning back. I used to sit in class and wonder what God thought of us and our conversations. Did God chuckle at the ways that we thought we were so smart? Us mere mortals attempting to answer the unanswerable questions. Did God's heart fill with affection for these students who were trying so hard to figure out what it all means? Did God think, how cute, they think they can find adequate words to describe me? Did God ever want us to just stop trying so hard? and just live into the experience of the divine. Regardless of what God may or may not have been thinking, I loved it, but it wasn't always easy. Like so many students, my first year of seminary felt like my world had been turned completely upside down. I was 19 years out of undergrad, and the work that I had been doing did not require my brain to function in the way that seminary demanded. It took time for me to adjust and embrace this new world. By the time I graduated from seminary, I had more questions than I had answers, which seemed weird to me. 
Wasn't I supposed to be going to school to learn about God? What I realized was that seminary prepared me to think about God in holistic and comprehensive ways, not just through a singular myopic lens. What was birthed in me was a growing appreciation of the paradoxes of life. Our lives and our world are not either or. We live both and kinds of lives. What I discovered was that as much as we struggled to articulate God in our classes, we'll never fully be able to understand God. There's never going to be sufficient human words to explain the divine existence. And quite frankly, it's pretty audacious to think that any of us can. And yet we try over and over again in sermons, in singing, in our prayers, in our liturgy. We try in our Bible studies, in our small groups. We try in our conversations with our friends, in blog posts, in letters, in books. We search for words and illustrations that will explain God's presence in ways which speak to the heart and minds of others and to ourselves. We really try, don't we? And through our trying, we get to grow. Our wrestling and our struggling, our efforts lead to our own maturity, our own development, our own awareness. Isn't it funny how God works in and through us, moving us deeper and deeper into relationship, waking us up to the divine within ourselves, within others, and within all of creation? Last week, I was talking to a clergy friend of mine, and I mentioned to her that I was going to be preaching on Pentecost. I was telling her how thrown off my schedule has been since we've been pre-recording worship in the middle of the week. Sunday mornings used to be the anchor of my week, and now this pre-week, pre-midweek recording has been a big adjustment for me. With ever-changing information throughout the pandemic, I just haven't been able to get into a rhythm. So in a very cavalier manner, I said I wasn't too worried about preaching on Pentecost. It's Pentecost, one of those sermons that basically write themselves. How hard is it to craft a sermon about the birthday of the church? The disciples are gathered. The Holy Spirit makes this grand and dramatic entrance. The disciples witness to the work of God in the world. And those who were drawn to all of this commotion understood what the disciples were saying. Oh, but what is wrong with me? You would think I would know by now. This is not how God works at least not through me anyways. Yes, this is the story from scripture. Yes, we do refer to Pentecost as the birthday of the church, but no, my sermon did not write itself. The audacity of me to think it, let alone say the words out loud. Every time I wanted the sermon to go in one direction, God pulled me in a completely different direction. It was so frustrating. It's almost as if God is the author of this story. So we find ourselves today with the disciples. 
They're once again gathered together and they've just witnessed Jesus ascending to heaven, but not before asking Jesus when Israel is going to be restored. Jesus, in Jesus' fashion, doesn't give a straight answer. He lets the disciples know that the timing is not theirs to know. Their job right now, to wait. And so they wait. The Jews from all over have now gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of, the, of Pentecost, this festival which happens 50 days after Passover, this festival in which the first harvest is being presented to God. It is during this time that scripture tells us a violent sound like a rushing wind fills the house Tongues of fire sit on each of the disciples' heads, and they were able to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. This is precisely where God stops me every time I read the scripture. Slow down, Jennifer, is what God's been saying to me. Pause, explore what's happening in the scripture. So here we go, friends. What if this loud sound filling the house was the sound of the disciples waking up to the awareness of the Holy Spirit present everywhere? And what if, maybe most especially, this sound was the disciples waking up to the presence of the Holy Spirit within themselves? We know from the Gospel of John that Jesus has already breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit into them. And our Trinitarian theology of God in three parts, God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, teaches us that all three persons of the Trinity always were, always are, and always will be. Try wrapping your head around that one. The Gospels are full of stories of the disciples not fully understanding. What if this is their big aha moment? And in this big aha moment, something shifts deep inside them. Things start to make a little more sense. They begin to see a little clearer, telling about their experiences with Jesus and what they know about God becomes a little bit easier. Words, stories, illustrations, the very language of the people comes from them in ways they could have never imagined. And the people understand. They are awakened to the reality that their very lives are a witness to God. They are awakened to the idea that they are the first fruits being offered to God in this festival of Pentecost. This is a game changer for the early church. It's freeing for the disciples to understand who they are and then be able to go out and share it with the world. This freedom, this understanding gives the disciples words and trust and faith and courage as they begin to spread out and share about Jesus. because we have the benefit of knowing the full scriptural story. We know the disciples spread out. We know that people were converted to Christianity by the thousands. 
But we also know that doesn't mean it was easy for them. Frustration, disappointment, misunderstanding, sacrifice, persecution, all of this is a part of their experience. And yet, God is still at work, breathing, moving, creating. The paradoxes within the early church stories are plentiful. People disagreed, and they came together to live out God's love. The people didn't understand, and they cared for one another. People were threatened, and they worshiped. God's very breath was in the disciples and in the early Christians. The wind of Pentecost stirred up something deep inside them, inviting these people to share their lives with the world. This same wind of Pentecost is still blowing and stirring up all of creation. It is alive, alive and at work in our world today. One of the gifts of living in the parsonage is getting to experience the richness of life along the creek. One of my favorite things to do is to sit out back on the deck in the morning with a cup of hot tea and my dog and observe uh, the natural world around me. It's a delight to the senses. There's a cacophony of birds singing at any given time, squirrels entertained by dancing across the grass, the smell from the creek wafts up, a reminder of vitality, vitality living just below the surface. Insects buzz, flowers share sweet-smelling aroma, snakes slither, and tree leaves dance in the breeze that is felt on the skin. As I sat on the back deck last Sunday watching our worship services online, I couldn't help but think, no matter what is happening in our human lives, God still brings forth the sun. Each day is a new day to begin again. We stay at home, a restlessness growing in society, and the sun rises. We change our behaviors to help keep others safe, and a new day dawns. We lose our jobs, and the birds sing. Life is not a singular experience. We can be exhausted and frustrated by the circumstances of life right now, and we can be grateful for things like nature and relationships and the opportunity to slow down. We can feel conflicted and at peace. We can be stressed with the added burden of schooling our children at home, and we can appreciate the extra time with them. We can be irritated with a spouse and love them fiercely. We can worry about a loved one's safety and see love in unexpected places. We can want to return to worship in our church building and want to stay at home in order to keep others safe. Life is a mixed up, messy ball of experiences and emotions. And God calls us to learn and grow through all of the mess, the paradoxes, 
the pain, the joy, and yes, even the mundane, each moment a gift. Author Christine Volters Painter writes about the lifelong learning process as a contemplative. She says this, there's an acknowledgement that we are always on a journey. The contemplative never arrives at completion. Whether or not you describe yourself as a contemplative, you are on a journey, one that began with God breathing life into your very lungs, and it continues with each breath that you inhale and exhale. We lose our loved ones, and the wind blows. Relationships deteriorate, and the stream flows. We are depressed, and the flowers bloom. Mary Oliver's poetry resonates deeply with me. The ways that she reflects upon life through God's creation sings to my heart. Her poem, The Summer Day, ends with this famous line. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? God gives us this one wild and precious life. We have the choice and the opportunity each and every day to make the most of it. What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Are you gonna lean into the awareness of the gift of your life? Are you gonna to witness to the love of God in this world? People are hungry and you give food. People are lonely and you write cards and make phone calls. People are hurting, and you offer healing through the gift of listening. The paradox of life is that death and resurrection is all around us and all in us. No joy, no sorrow, no experience in this life is without layers of relationship, grief, happiness, disappointment, delight, and sadness. And though it may sound strange, this is exactly what we get to share with the world. The witness of the goodness of God in this is that God has created you to love. And this love that you share with the world is multifaceted. It is complex and it is intricate. It is a love that is designed to change the world. I've shared with you all before that I had my heart transformed through an experience with God through a bluebird about 10 years ago. My family and the United Methodist Church are where I learned what God's love means and what God's love looks like. So this is why when I had that encounter with God through the bird, my heart began to open up in new ways it is what eventually led to my ordination. At ordination, a pastor is given a red stole for Pentecost. It is generally a gift from their congregation. This is the stole that I received at my ordination. I love my stole. As with everything in life, it tells a rich and complex story. Contained in my stole is the love I have for the colleague who had an artist custom design it for me. Because my friend knew my story 
and my transformation, she knew that my Holy Spirit is a bluebird. Also contained in my soul is disappointment, frustration, failure, pain, and tears. And accompanying all of that is joy and growth and contentment, laughter, peace, and fulfillment. My soul carries the weight and sacrifices required of me and my family in living out my call to ministry. And my soul carries in it every single moment of pure joy that I have experienced because God called me to this wondrous, holy, and sacred work. You, my friends, you are a joy. Your life is a witness to God. You have God's divine breath in and through your very being. You are amazing, astonishing even. Your life is God raising the sun yet another day. May your heart be open to recognizing your goodness. And please, please go out and share this with the world. Because God knows we need it. Amen.